I am unashamed. What about you? So I mentioned on the last uh, podcast that I'm here in North Carolina with uh, Zach, which is interesting because the um, this is kind of the four horsemen of the unashamed. Because uh, Zach is Zach and I have the production company that produces our podcast for Blaze, and uh, we have a cool opportunity in June that we're super excited about. That, oh yeah, yeah, coming up June 23rd, I think it is. We're doing our first live unashamed in front of a live audience. Uh, we're going to be in the really? Dallas, Texas area. Yep. And y'all are going to be there as well. Oh. I, it, yeah, I thought y'all were doing it. <laughs> nah, no, you're it's, in. it's going to be all four of us. We're going and, live? Uh, That's dangerous. We're, we're going live. I'm a, I'm a little nervous about it, but you know what? we got to do now, it. Now, we're going live with an audience, but we, we still have the ability to edit it before we just send it out. So yeah. we're what not could, quite that crazy. Oh, what could go wrong? Phil on live <laughs> Television, well, they may, they, they, but they might have their. We made to have a rule that you can't film this, but they could have their cell phones out. They could go viral. Well, you never know. Good luck right. policing that. So, yeah. so the group that's hosting this is called NRB, which is Natural Religion, Natural National Religious Broadcasters, and uh, so we're doing it at their conference, and uh, we're super excited about it because I, since we've been doing this podcast, I got to admit to y'all, I don't think I've told anybody that I really wanted us before a live audience because we all speak to so many audiences that I just think it'll bring out another level. Yeah, I think so. In, in what we're doing. And if, I first got the idea when we were doing the podcast with the Just Thinking guys. Um, and just I just thought, thinking. man, just thinking. That uh, it would be really awesome if we did something in front of an audience. So we're going to do it uh, in June so we're super pumped. I'm not even that. sure if it's open to the general public or not. Yeah, you'll have uh, to check with NRB because I don't know what the rules are. But let us know. I tell you what, let us know on Facebook or um Well, the or problem I see is I don't consider myself religious. I mean, the only time religion is mentioned is true religion that God finds true is... Looking after widows and orphans in their distress. Very good. And keeping yourself polluted from the world. From, from being well, maybe polluted. That, maybe that's our topic then. For yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. Maybe that's yeah. our lead. That, that's our opening. All I, have to, are... all I have to say about all I have to say about this endeavor is that uh, when I was talking with Corolla, good guy, uh, we were discussing religion basic against atheism, but. Uh, so as we talked, it was a cordial conversation. Nobody would mean or got mad. Ninety-something 90 percent of them said, that's a great discussion. You can carry on a little dialogue without hating each other and cursing each other. But some dude did write, Dan told me, and he had a, just a short statement. Mr. Robertson, I strongly dislike you. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which I think his view represented a pretty period. good swath of America. Yeah, period. I, I strongly some... dislike you. Period. <laughs> well, you you get enough uh, you get enough accolades. Trust me, I read them all, and and they're, you're 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 making a difference. If, but hey, I will say, if you want to, uh, if, if I don't know if you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area on June 23rd, and you would want to attend, let us know. I'll, I don't know what I can do, but I'll talk to him about maybe. I don't know, you know, how, how many of our folks might want to show up for that. That'd yeah, be fun to it'd be know. great if we'd have a big crew yeah. there if they'd let you in. Just say, I, say I'd like to. Uh, we got to come up with something on the social. All media. I have Just to say is the Apostle come. Paul and and Peter and all of them, 
uh, some of the areas they delved into, they ended up doing some of the places they went. There were riots that followed. I'm just say, throwing that in there for whatever it's worth. <laughs> okay. Well, my so point is, they did you know, they did like... stir up rioting in the streets. <laughs> yeah. So, so well, we never know what's going to. I don't think there's going to be any riots there. <laughs> Probably well, not any know. riots on the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me about it. I was just making the subtle point that the only time since we're doing a religious in quotation podcast the context of that verse in james 126 says if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue he deceives himself and his religion is worthless because y'all didn't get my i wasn't joking because i don't joke about scriptures but i'm like if you're gonna talk for 50 minutes on a religious mm. podcast, the only time religion is mentioned is he said, keep a tight rein on your tongue. And if you really want to be spectacular, help widows and orphans and keep yourself from being polluted by the world. I thought well, that, it, I, Jace, I thought I didn't that say was it was a religious weird. podcast. I said we're being hosted by the religious broadcasters. We're well, still doing unashamed. You've got you shifted us into but a whole you, other gear. Y'all made the connection, and I was just clarifying the point. James I, is I, saying cursing and and righteous words and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth. Yeah, so That's I'm like, I'm keep a tight rein on your tongue. So all I was saying is be careful in the 50 minutes if we're going to be doing a religious. I, don't, I, I never considered myself doing a religious broadcast. I do Jesus broadcast. Well, I would argue that the term religious, would, if, to be a religious person would, me, would mean to say that we, I'm a person who worships. I'm a person um, yeah. who, that, that, I think that's what the term re- religious would probably Well, mean, I think that, that was the worldly that has become the worldly definition. I was just giving you the biblical reference. Because he's a Bible man. He's a Bible man. So, well, so Jace, I got People I got read another, lots of books, you know. I read one. I got another uh, <laughs> announcement, too, right. uh, to announce, too. So we And you and I are going to be super excited about this. And I don't know, Zach, I haven't asked you if you watch this or not, but we, t- we talk a lot on here. A lot first, our viewers and listeners... We're sending in a lot of stuff about this series, The Chosen. I mean, a lot for the last year, telling me how good it was. And my problem was I'm only one step closer to technology than dad. Uh-oh. So I have a hard time finding out where stuff is. My grandkids know where to find things. I don't know. So I couldn't find it for about a year. And so finally I did. Jay started watching it, gave him a really good plug. And then I guess because of that, someone sent me a set of DVDs, which I've mentioned and then I yeah. can do it because I, I know how to hook up a DVD player. So you're well, going to thank been, me. Are you thanking me now or is, is I, this I'm, going a different I'm officially, direction? I'm okay. officially thanking you. And, Jace, we have invited Dallas Jenkins, who's the creative force behind The Chosen, is going to be on the Unashamed podcast. Oh, really? The, yeah, at the end of the month. And studio. And uh, he's bringing his whole family. We're going to have a big Miss K's lunch afterwards so i'm super excited about it so we're going to get to talk to him firsthand about what it was like to make this series and things like that. just and when just when i started to doubt y'all's production abilities <laughs> now you have completely <laughs> redeemed yourself well i and the, the craziest part about it jace is that i did not pull this through 
Uh-oh. Alice sent me an email and asked me if I had a contact, and I was like, yeah, I kind of put it on my list. And then two days later, you had someone had given you his contact, and you reached out. So you you even pulled all this through by yourself. I did. I sent it to Zach and said, Zach, get a hold of this guy because I don't know him. Zach's pretty good, pretty connected. And then two days later, our old friend, uh, dad, our old fi- uh, friend, Fellum, you know, the Irish journalist that you and I have done a couple of things with, yep. He they shared an editor on the Gosnell movie, and he said, hey, I heard you talking about uh, Dallas Jenkins. Oh, Zach's got a call coming uh, in. Zach, oh, silence right. your phone. Speaking of <laughs> <Right> technology. <laughs> Speaking of production value. <laughs> Just trying to be authentic here, guys. <laughs> so, Keep it real. Between the sirens and Zach's phone, it's hard to do anything here. So uh, uh, Phelan sent it to me, so I just sent him a text, just a random text. I said, hey, I told him who I was. I said, we do this podcast called Unashamed, and you know, I don't know if you're interested, but we'd love to have you on the podcast. And then I just kind of took another step. I said, look, most of the time, especially these days, we Zoom people in, but we would love to have you in the lair, you know, in the studio, and bring your family, yeah. you know, whatever you want to do. So Love he said, one, yeah, I told him I said something about Miss Kay's cooking. So he sent me a thing back because I didn't even know where he's from. He said he's from Chicago. And so uh, he said, well, when you said Miss Kay's meal, I'm in. Yeah. So then I knew he knew who we were. That's your bargaining chip. <laughs> That's my bargaining chip. Phil, have you, have you seen the show? No. Phil, what have you been doing? To, you got to yeah. get, find somebody. Younger, well, Dan will work. Uh, Dan will know. Yeah, you you need to watch that. What I love about it, I want to reiterate, because, and I'm sure there are people that found a reason not to like it, because, you know, there are, I don't want to, I want to be kind to everyone, but there's Pharisees in every generation who just don't get it. But the struggle of trying to, to make Jesus real to people even though you you think you know, you think you know, you think you know, I, I, I that's what's drawn me to this. I mean, if I had the responsibility of saying, okay, let's follow Jesus's closest disciples in a way that seems real, it, it's it's that's a difficult challenge. So I, I love watching how that went about. It it helps that I'm in the same lane as the way they're portraying the. So Jace, you, you set it up beautifully for me when you were describing it and talked about how it's obviously given from, from the perspective of the chosen. So you get all these stories that you don't read every word in the Bible, but it's a little bit of imagination as to what there was happening in their lives. And so I, you, you set it up well for me because when I watched it the first time, I was thinking of it from that perspective. And so I wasn't expecting a verse by verse, which let's face it, most of the stuff that's been produced from the Bible has been verse by verse. And there's some really good stuff out there that's been great. But at the same time, it's really kind of fun to watch a project like this where these people you recognize so instantly because we've read the Bible so many times to get to imagine a little bit about what their life was like outside of just what we read about in the scripture. It's like a potential backstory. Yeah. I, I, one thing I love about what that what they're doing is, um, I, the, I'm really interested in this crowdsourcing model. That I mean, yeah. this thing has been completely funded by the viewers, so it's not. I mean, and that's why they've been able to raise a significant amount of money to, to have a high production quality, and and it's basically that. I mean, uh, you if if you watch it, you have the opportunity to to then pay it forward and 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 fund this. So it's funded 
by the actual crowd. And in, a, in our culture, uh, a climate right now, particularly in media, um, it's getting more and more difficult to have anything that has to do with Jesus Christ out there in a the public sphere. Um, it's, it's just amazing to me how the Holy Spirit continues to shape and move. He's, you're not going to shut God down. You know, he's going he's gonna to find a way out. He's, he, we're not going like, to stop you know, the truth. I mean, that's not going to happen. This is just another way. Uh, it's really cool to see how God's moving in that. And, you know, I've thought about it before, Jace. I mean, this was kind of a sobering reality to me because I have a lot of fans of Duck Dynasty ask me, are you guys ever going to do that show or a show like that again? And it hit me recently, and I was talking to a fan. I said, you know, to be honest with you, in today's landscape, I don't think Duck Dynasty could ever be made in 2021. I mean, it made air in 2011 or 2012, whenever it was. But I just think now it's so polarized, and anybody that's yeah. in control of media, they would never give us a shot to, to be on there. It would have to be something like this, where you put it out there, and then fans were able. Couldn't, I'm I, not I, saying I, the audience yeah. isn't there. I wonder. I, I wonder if our audience. I wonder if, if the people that, particularly unashamed nation. I wonder if, if if I think they would pitch in fifty, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks a piece to have something really unique made that was, you know. I think they would. I think this is what this model shows. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to hear from him kind of that idea, which, you know, Dad Ann and Felon, which you and I know well, that those guys, that's how they fund all their projects as well. So I think that may be the model mm. we're going to. Yeah, I may give him to. my idea about my movie that I want to make. Well, yeah, he may be the guy to pull it off. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I, I may have to run that by y'all and see. I'd like to do a movie about Revelation, and and have it like not what everybody thinks what it's going to be, but more of a the kingdom is here and focus around those seven groups of people, kind of like the Lord of the Rings, you know, where you have each individual group represented but it's the seven churches and they're like unkillable it's like every war they go through you have this you know all these these clans and battles and conflict but they just keep coming back and the movie watcher be like well this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen these people are indestructible that, that's what you want to leave them with and then when you get to the end guess that's what pretty well is the story of revelation Look, and guess what it was only a dream because he, you know, he was in the spirit. It was all a dream, so you can do whatever you want to with it, but keep it scripturally accurate. But you know, he wrote to seven groups of people that were churches, describing, guess what? You win. You're indestructible. And they're like, yeah, but they got slaughtered. Yeah, but they won. And he warned them. Yeah. All right. Let's take let's take a break. So, Dad, you don't do a lot about uh, cell phone companies. Because you don't traffic in the cell phone. Somebody world. told me I'm selling marijuana all on them. Other than that, it's it's a lie. That's all I know. <laughs> it's all a lie for Phil. Well, one of the one of our sponsors is a company called PatriotMobile.com, uh, and basically they're a conservative, right leaning company uh, that provides cell phone coverage. And so they wanted to try to give you know people an option. If you're not crazy about what has turned out to be some very left-wing uh, companies and corporations that handle most of the cell phones, you can give these guys a try. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil, uh, when you switch, 
they're going to, when you bring your own phone, you're going to get 50% off your first two months plus a free Patriot starter kit. So a pretty good deal if you want to try them out, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can give them a call, 972-PATRIOT, that's 972-PATRIOT. You get your free starter kit, check them out if you need to switch to some conservative coverage. So Jace, you've had a lot of, sounds like you've had a lot of time on your hands with Missy gone out of town. You're doing a lot of uh, deep thinking into things. Movies, ideas, revelation. I'll be careful when you enter the mind of Jace. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going there today? I feel like I'm at an intervention of some sort. We're going to go there. And I'm going to tell the audience, this is something you don't know. So you go to Jace's house. He's got a big, nice house. And he and Missy have redone it. It's just up the street from me. Out of how many bigger houses, Jace? Jace spends... About, I would probably, I don't know, he can give the percentage, but a high percentage of his time in this little small alcove. When you first walk in, there's a TV and there's a couch and there's a bathroom, and then the kitchen is nearby. But he's in about a hundred and you know, 50 yeah, foot square foot area. Yeah, enough uh, for a couch and maybe one chair. Yeah, there's a, maybe a chair there for people that come by for a visit. But that's where, that's his lair. That's where he lives. That's where he thinks. That's where he comes up with his ideas. I'm assuming he's watching, you know, the stock market on his yeah, TV. But that's his whole world is in that one little spot with the dogs hanging with out. The, his gate, the, the stock market, when the stock market is on, it's always muted. So it's just on when that's Just think of the possibility that Jace would be finally find himself in. He is a living Batman. Yeah. (laughs) Batman. There's there's not that many of them out there. I've become obsessed with bats now. Y'all know it. You're a Batman. Once they came down and said, you must protect the bats, then I thought, no, wait a minute. So now I've looked at this. Learn to live with them. No, you move out first if it comes down. And let them have it. And let them have it. That's our culture that we're living in It's a good thing you didn't kill one, Jace. It's a good thing you didn't do that. Yeah. So so just just so the audience know, no bats were harmed in the recording of this podcast. None. None. No bats. <laughs> We're on official. Although, I just think that somewhere in there, our culture has has got it backwards. To me, your home with walls and a ceiling that you own, you should be able to control the pests that decide to invade it. Yeah, I mean, the, and if that's not legal, that should be a law tomorrow. <laughs> that should, <laughs> if. Something with teeth that could possibly kill you, rabies infested, yep. is in your home and is making aggressive action towards you. You should be within, as a free law-abiding citizen, you should have a right to take him out. Biblically speaking, way back under the law of Moses, certain things you don't fool with, hawks, eagles, you don't eat them, you don't fool with them, and it, and I, I, it is interesting that bats... We're in that list. And look, don't, I, don't mess with bats. And I agree. <laughs> but if they come into your home and attack, guess what? They chose the wrong place. Wrong idea. Stay <laughs> yep. in your area. That's it. This is my area. 
fly around and so, eat all the mosquitoes you want to, but don't come inside so, my house. So I'm not getting off that because I think that's that's stupid. That's coming up with a law, Al, that is not practical, which you see a, a lot of that in the difference in religion and following Jesus. Jesus came to liberate us, redeem us. But some people love to argue and live under lawful rule oriented systems most people yeah they just love like 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 i told you before i totally agree because when we had the mice move in my house they were in the walls where you could hear them scratching around you know that creeped lisa out but i had no problem with that like if you live in the wall i'm a generous benefactor i'm providing a home for everything so if you want to live in the walls as long as you don't get into my area I got no problem with you. I'm not going to hunt you down or chase you in the walls. The minute they came out of the walls and started getting up on the countertop and eating my avocados, yeah, then we got a problem. Because they crossed the boundary. They crossed what, the boundary. What's wrong I mean, with these people making laws where that somehow or another you're not supposed to be able to control that? They worship and serve created things rather than the creator. Same old story. Good answer. Okay. That, Good answer. I knew the answer. I just want Back to Romans. And you segue this beautifully, as Dad often does, back to the book of Romans. So, so I want to mention something today as we get into this. Um, I thought Zach had a great three thoughts. I love having a bunch of teachers and preachers discussing the Bible because we all kind of put it in an outline form. But, but I love what you said about your three main thoughts that come out of these first three chapters. Because obviously, as we've discussed up to now, and I missed the first discussion y'all had on Romans 1, is Paul is making his point that there's no way to achieve salvation because of our own sinfulness. And he sort of targets three different groups of people in these first three chapters for us to kind of look at. And you guys talked about the ones in chapter 1, which I, I use the word depraved because that was the word Paul used to describe that first group of people. And they're the obvious, we would call them heathens, God-haters. I mean, their lifestyle is obvious. They don't care anything about God. And he describes in full detail what that looks like. But it's interesting when you get to chapter 2, because this second group of people, I view it like this. My illustration is is that uh, Matthew 7, 13, 14, Jesus says there's a broad road that leads to destruction and yet a narrow road to eternal life because that has to go through him. So I imagine as Paul's describing here, that broad road to destruction having three different lanes in it. And the first lane he mentions is this, you know, depraved God haters. The second lane is what I call the comparers because they still have no pathway to salvation, but they look over at the other two lanes and in one case, you see the heathens. The other case, you see the Jews, which we'll talk about when we get a little bit later on. But they say, you know what? I'm not as bad. I mean, I look at my life compared to someone else's, and it's not that bad. I don't do all the bad things as have been mentioned. And he says, but wait a minute. You're in the same boat because the minute you break the law, and that is the law of the heart for the Gentile because they didn't know about the Jewish law, you're in the same boat. You've broken God's law. You're a sinner, and there's no way to salvation except through Jesus. So, you know, you've got the you've got the depraved, you've got the compare person, and then finally, you've got the heritage people, the ones that say, well, you know what? We don't apply unto those other two because we've always had the law. You know, we're waiting for the Messiah. We're the chosen people of God. 
And so none of that applies this to us. Verse, of course, this verse, this uh, verse, same when James wrote, <clears throat> "Whoever keeps the whole law," because the first group they laid out, there's no doubt what they're up to. They're the given over to a depraved mind, senseless, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Well, the people who are not that bad, they say, "Well, we're not like them. We're not that bad. We're better than they are." Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, well, you did good on that, but you do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. There's no way of escape. I mean, I may do a little line, these people might say, I may do a little bit of canceling others and being unforgiving toward them because of previous mistakes they made, but I'm good to go. God would say to them in Romans chapter 2, you pass judgment on someone else, you're condemning yourself because no one under a law of works keeps it all perfectly. Only one did that, the one who died for you. So get off the I'm pretty good. That's not good enough. He, the law requires 100% flawless obedience, all of it. No man has ever done it except Jesus Christ, the God who became flesh and then died to cancel it for us. You have to get out from under law. No one is good enough. Romans chapter 2, those folks thought they were good enough to make it because they weren't as bad as the first bunch. So they passed judgment. It's called a kind of cancel culture. <laughs> you know what That's I'm saying? That's a good point. Let's take another break. So, Zach, I found out um, when I went down to the Alabama coast, at least I've been spending so much time down there, spending so much on rental property, I found it was probably better for me to make an investment and get a place because That's this good. woman is going to spend a lot of time at the beach. <laughs> That's just, And if I'm going to spend time with her, I'm like, Jace, you know, following Missy to Austin, it's just, you know, I'm going to have to get a place. And so I did. And so I, for the first time in a long time, I had to borrow some money, and I found out how important one of our sponsors, Scoremaster, is because they raise your credit score, which helps you get a lower interest rate. Yeah. It saves you a lot of money over the life of a loan. So these guys have come up with a very good system. They can raise 61 points in 20 days or less on average. Uh, we raised even more than that. We tried it. It worked. So I can tell you it works. Helped us save some money over the long haul. So they put you in charge of your finances, not the banks, which is important. You enroll in just minutes. Uh, go to scoremaster.com slash fill. That's scoremaster.com slash fill. Bump up your credit score and save you some money if you need to make a loan. They work for me too. I mean, the way I, the way I look at it is that, you know, when you read this contrast to what, what, who we have and what we have in Jesus compared to the world, we tend to think, you know, here you have, I, I think when we studied this in our earlier days in the book of Romans, they'd have like the moral man, you know, the guy that's pretty good. And, yep. you know, they're like, he's got this set of problems. And then you got the he, the, oh, this guy here, he's terrible. I mean, that's the Romans one. But then this guy's pretty good. I'm better but, off before God because I haven't made as many mistakes and had not sinned as much as that yeah. one. Well, when you start just scraping all this away and looking at it. We, we like comparing ourselves to other people 
Because you can always find somebody worse. Yep. You, you think. That's right. And so, so it makes us feel better. And, and so all, if we feel better about our condition, because we're like, well, dang, if hell, if there are degrees in hell, I know there are people that going to have it worse off than me. And so somehow we think better about ourselves for being in that condition. Well, you, if you kind of step back and, and realize the thought process, if you're in hell, you, you've really messed up here. You have to remember from 118, <laughs> from Romans 118, uh, where, where the, the, uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. If you just start right there and you say, yeah, I noticed something about Romans 118, and now we're into chapter 2 about people who condemn others. The word forgiveness or grace or, or, and mercy, it's not mentioned. That's why it ends up people without God, you say, they've lost the only source of forgiveness. They've canceled the only way out. They're, they're not, they're unforgiving. You make a sin and look, they find out you sinned a thousand years later and they'll hold that sin against you for the next 5,000 years. You did wrong and you did wrong and they say you did wrong and you messed up, never realizing they themselves sin and they have no right to judge others. It's the, uh, it's the bait and switch of it too. If you read that last part of Romans 1, it talks about uh, the wickedness of these of these particular individuals, although they know the ordinance of God that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. I, I, I find it very interesting that the things that are people are being canceled for are the same exact things that they're promoting people to get into. That you is correct. Kind of. It's it's the the Me Too movement, you know. What, like, what, but you've exploited women sexually on TV for years, and and then people indulge in that, which they shouldn't. But then then you get canceled for the very thing that you've been promoting for the last fifty years in Hollywood. That that that's the bait and switch of the whole thing. Like there there there's no liberation, there's no freedom. It's just a spiral into bondage. It's a spiral into fear, anxiety. Yeah, but that's why I think now, of all of all the since I've been alive, I think now the ground is more fertile today for the gospel than, than at any point in my lifetime, simply because people have no way out underneath the burden of cancel culture. Yeah. The two words that sort of stand out, it's when it gets down to the bottom down there, chapter two, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, which is, which is their, their emotional makeup they are stubborn. They're just, they're just standing, digging in, saying no one is going to accuse me of being guilty of sin. These are people, you got to remember, these people don't believe, don't belong to God. These people, they only are receiving one thing, wrath, wrath. Each person will, according to what he's done, you say, all of your sins. By the way, he ends that whole thing up by saying, uh, well, when will we all know when the separation takes place? It'll take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus yeah. Christ, as my gospel declares. That's why the gospel 
they just dismiss that. They say, I don't need forgiveness because I'm not as bad as my neighbor. He's the bad one. He's the one that deserves to be punished. But not me. I'm pretty good most of the time. But that's, that's, that's the way they view it. Yeah, it's a good point because most people, they use when they read something like God's wrath, they're like, oh, he's a mean God. And But it said based on what he's done, the individual you know, I look at it from the, this this clash of worlds. You know, when John said in First John, he said, "Don't love the world," and he and he eventually would say, "The whole world, meaning the spiritual side of things, is under the control of the evil one." He says that in First John five. But he explained how the evil one tempts in chapter two when he said, "Don't love the world or anything in it." Anyone who loves the world. The love of the Father's not in him. For everything in the world, and he lists these categories, the cravings of sinful man, we all know what those things, the vices that are out there that we can get into, the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever." Well, I think that when you read that boasting of what he has and does, we tend to think, oh, these are worldly people out here. No, this is us. We have the same temptations every day. And there's there's these religious groups who want to boast about what they have and do, even inside a religious environment. That's why I, I brought that up. And when you look at what Jesus did and a passage like Galatians when that was all about, oh, I'm special because I've been circumcised, you know, this under the old law. And and he gets down to the end in the book of Galatians. And you remember what he said? He said, may I only boast that Jesus Christ was crucified for me. And, Hang on, and Jesse, let's take a break. It says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which, here's the point I wanted to make, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So my point is we can we can look at the different types of people and then we can label them in different groups. And But the bottom line is we all got the same temptations, and it's really not that many ideas. You're either craving something that's sinful, you're lusting about what you're in the wrong place looking at the wrong stuff, or you're boasting about you're better than this guy, or you're doing something in a religious way that's justifying how you live. I mean, that's the way the evil one operates. He just gives you a platform to choose for yourself, and that doesn't make God happy. That's why wrath comes. But you, you're the one that decided. And here on the other side comes Jesus on a cross saying, you get in me. Look, I will not only will I save you and redeem you, and I will separate you from the world. Despite all this going on, you're, you're dead. That world is dead to you. I just think there's something beautiful in that for us on a, on a daily basis. You know? No doubt. Well, so much about what you just described, though, Jess, think about it. What, what's being described here in Romans, when he talks about the wrath of God being revealed, then in, in yourself receiving due penalty for perversion, the idea is, is that a sinful life 
is you're going to suffer because of the sinful life. Dad described, uh, I think in the last podcast, a new sister that you know, has no teeth. And the reason why is because the ravages of meth, you know, yeah. the, what it does is it takes all your teeth. That's right. You know, it destroys your body. That's and right. And so when you, when you see what happens, whether it's drug addiction, any of these lifestyles, it's destructive in its nature. That's the big lie is, yeah, is it. that if you live for yourself and the evil one, you're going to have a better life. That's a huge lie because it always ends in a terrible way. That's why the that's why the context of Romans, when it talks about wrath, at least in the context of Romans one, is uh, I, w- I want to reiterate this: the wrath of God that's being revealed, it's is not a a barrel full of wrath that God scoops up and pours on you. That's right. It is God leaving you to your own self, and I think uh, that's why the 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 J- uh, Jason mentioned that verse about the desire the desires of the world. Uh, fade away. You think about like meth addiction. Any we we've all entered into these dark places in ministry. I I, I think that 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 would help a lot of people to enter into these darkest places of ministry where the crystal meth addicts are at, where you see the most broken people yep. uh, because of sin. And it's not nearly as sexy at the end of the journey as it was at, when they probably first started their journey. It probably was pretty sexy at first, but then well, you see how this ends yeah. when unbridled desire. You're left to your own desire. It does fade away. That's why you got to keep doing more and more drugs, or you have to acquire more and more sexual experiences, or whatever it is, or more and more material possessions. Th- those desires they fade, and so we have to consume more mm. along the way to achieve the the, the original high, and, and we never can really capture that first high because that's a, that's the nature of of, of a sin. And and what God is offering us is renewal through the Holy Spirit. God's grace is intervening in our life at every moment. God is giving us a renewal of desire, one that actually over time we becomes more sensitive. But two weeks after the girl showed up that says, she said, please pray for me because I am in misery right now. She said, my teeth are rotted out and I don't know what to do. That's where it started. Where it ended up was... Two weeks later, after the teeth were, the bad teeth pulled and the good ones stayed and the relief came from a physical standpoint, when she was standing in the waters of baptism and she was baptized, her parting words were when she came forth from the water, she kind of looked up and the brothers were just all seated there watching her and she said, God is so good because her misery physically and spiritually, God had solved her dilemma. So I, 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 I just told her on the way out, I said, flee from sexual immorality and drug use. Get out of that, no matter what. Well, the greatest, Get out of that, girl. The greatest high on earth is knowing, so I've heard, because I don't have much to compare it to, but I know this, there's a high that happens when you know that God is using you to change the eternal destiny of a human being. There is a, there is a spiritual high there. And people that have experienced extreme drug addiction and drunkenness, when they are redeemed, they encounter God, they surrender to Jesus, and then all of a sudden, and it's usually a lengthy process, they're then used to bring others. They 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 crave that high because they know it's it's more sustaining. And I think that's that's really what God does 
through redemption is use the same broken messes through the power of Jesus to become an instrument for the good. I think that's why I read this clash of worlds and the world. We we try to make it complicated, but it really is simple. We yeah, it, that's it, why Jay's it, the evil one. He attempts you with those basic principles. I wanted to say this for for you. Give me your opinion. Is you remember when Jesus prayed in John seventeen? He he prays for his disciples, and then it's it's kind of a weird prayer. He starts talking about, I'm not going to pray for you to take these guys, talking about his disciples, out of the world. And because he could, he could just say, let's all just leave and go, you know, forget the world. But he then says, I pray that you protect them from the evil one because I'm I'm sending them out. As you sent me, Jesus prayed, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. And so I think that's what we got to remember is that, we don't sit around and, and try to figure out how we can, you know, be, become clean in the world. Jesus made us clean. We have a job to do. And he sent us out into the world amongst the corruption. And he said, look, it's going to be rough, but I'm going to pray that, that God will protect you. Yeah, that's why the following hey, hang week. Hang on, Dad. Hang on, Dad. Let's take one last break. That's why uh, uh, that little episode started a couple of weeks ago with this girl. I, I understood, and it came to me, and I gave him a lesson on it. She was in the audience, by the way, when that, that lesson motivated her because I presented her what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, that God is the God of compassion and, and then the God of comfort. And that's why it's mentioned there at 2 Corinthians about 3, verse about 6 or 7, Comfort, yeah. comfort, comfort, comfort. Yeah. Well, she experienced it firsthand, beginning with the teeth, but then beginning with her life. So a giant burden, painful one, was lifted up. That's why God is said to be the God of comfort. We, we kind of miss that sometime, and we we're like, uh, if we're legalistic about it, but if you're not legalistic, you say, oh, he will bring you comfort in more ways than you know. He does bring us comfort, and I, I think that what you mentioned earlier, you said peace of mind is the rarest of commodities. That the comfort is peace, and so when, I do think, Jace, there that there's a, a high that you get as living as a Christian, but it, but it's, it is totally different, which is kind of the the difficult thing when you when you, you're trying to explore this idea of following Jesus and what's in it, you know, what's in it for us. And um, I think what it, it's uh, C.S. Lewis said that. We, we settle, we, we were like half-hearted creatures. He said, it's not, the problem is not that your desire is too strong. He said, no, your desires are too weak. He said, we are actually half-hearted creatures that, that settle for you know, sex and drink. And he says, we, it's like settling for mud pies in the slum because we can't fathom a holiday by the sea. And I think when we talk about what it means to walk with Jesus, it, it's a different type of, of intimacy that, that, that is not known it's, a, it's, it's spiritually discerned. It's better. It's way better, but it's totally different. It's not even comparable. Jesus doesn't offer us a better version of crystal meth. He doesn't offer us a better version of, of the high you get from sexual immorality. He doesn't offer us a better version of success. It's, it's, it's on a whole nother realm that you don't really understand what it is until the Holy Spirit invades your heart, and He gives that to you, and then you, you taste it in morsels moment by moment and over a lifetime of walking in the Spirit, 
which is what a lot of the Book of Romans is about, walking in the Spirit. Well, you taste look, Him. So, Dad, what you what you described is you have a person who's been addicted to drugs. You offered her uh, a pathway to the Holy Spirit. A, a deliverance. What, I was showing her there's a deliverance from misery. <laughs> exactly. And so, and look, it was it's not the new set of teeth that saved her. It was the Holy Spirit that now indwelled her. So think about it compared to a, let's say a program in, I don't know, pick a city, Seattle, Washington, where there's all these drug addicts. And so we got these moralists, which are very much described in Genesis 2. They see what's going on, but they don't know Jesus either. And so that what they offer is a drug program where they're going to put you up in a hotel and provide you with drugs safely because we don't want you to overdose or have the unsafe. And so they're going to keep you in addiction mm -hmm. in a safer place. And the, well, you and the misery continues. The misery exactly. continues. So that's the difference in offering someone a life-changing opportunity to the Holy Spirit versus just a cleaner way to do drugs. That is yeah. correct. Well, it's, you can say that about safe sex or you know whatever. whatever. They're that's like, exactly yeah, right. you can have it just and with whoever. But, you know, don't don't die, but you're eventually going to die. But my point for bringing up the everything I did from the worldly viewpoint is because people, they have to realize why they're here. And I mean, true, Zach, it's not you're not doing it to get the spiritual high, you know, of serving Jesus. But it's just it's dawning on you that. Okay, there's a world that's under the control of the evil one, and then there's a being who actually made the world. And it always gets down to the simplistic choice, and you can rationalize and hide behind whatever creed or because somebody's better or worse than you to figure it out. But Jesus himself, when John wrote about him, when he said he was in the world and through the world, which he had just said, everything in the world he made nothing in the world that was made was made without him. And then he's like, but he's in the world and the world did not recognize him. He came to that, which is own yet. They didn't receive him. So it's the same types, the groups of people that we're discussing. You have Jews who he came. A lot of them didn't recognize him and still don't. You have the, the wild heathen out there, the Gentiles, us, they're like focused on the cravings and the lust and the boasting of what he has. And then all of a sudden in John 1, 12, it says, yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And my point was for, for coming up with why he prayed for his disciples to go out into the world and proclaim him. It's not over the high that you get from knowing that, but you, you, you find your identity, which is that we're sons and daughters of God. We're, we're family. I mean, he created us to be something stronger than just a human being with impulses and urges. I mean, we're, we're part of the family of God and we represent him and yeah, sure. The world's tough, but, we have a purpose to do as our father has sent us out and we have the motivation through Jesus and we have the power through the Holy spirit. I mean, that's to me, the only way you're going to get your life straight. Cause a lot of people say that they're like, well, give me some verses to help me overcome temptation. I, I say the same thing. Every time I hear that, I said, that's not going to work. You know, the verses 
you got to know the person who wrote it, you know, in, in this light. That That's the only thing that's going to make you realize, you know, I'm a son of God. I'm not doing that. I, I have a purpose. So that was my point. This clash of worlds is really what should be the question that we get down to. You know, why am I here? Well said. Well, and I like the idea that you mentioned about family, too, because the biggest thing I hear from people who are caught up in sin and like just being devastated by it to the point that they may be thinking about taking their own life or just basically giving up on everything is they feel isolated and alone. And you think about it, if you don't have some family, somebody connected that cares enough about you that wants to bring you back or try to give you a pathway to peace, I mean, what a, what a terrible situation. I mean, how many lonely people are there out there trying to do it on their own Without Jesus, without any sort of millions, family. millions and millions, millions. exactly, which just explains a lot the way why people are the way they are. Yep, and, yeah. and and why we see a lot of what we're seeing today. Right? Well, I, I, you're right, and that's why you know he said in Corinthians, though we live in a world we we don't wage war like the world does, and you can see he's like, well, where do you come up with this idea? You can just look in the New Testament from John to Revelation every time it mentions the world. And it's the same thing. There's a simple contrast about whose side you're on. And in amongst the world, you have all these groups and all these arguments, and you have Pharisees, and then you have the rank heathen, you have the just heathen, and Paul's trying to address that. But he keeps coming back to Jesus and what you have, because he knows, and I know, when you find that a, a identity and you stand up and you're like, no, God loves me. He got a purpose for me. I'm a son of God. He's my father. I can't lose. When all these thoughts start popping in your head, all of a sudden things start changing for the better. I mean, you're not worried about cravings and lust of the eyes. You're looking at people as opportunities to represent God then through Jesus. And that's the switch. That's why he's eventually going to get to Romans 6 about the old person being put to death. But none of that would be possible if Jesus didn't put death to death. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it becomes incredible, you know. So next time, Jace, we want to zero in a little bit. We didn't talk about it today, but he brings in the third component, which is the Jewish mindset that if you knew the law, then you would be able to know what to achieve righteousness. And he's going to shoot that down as well. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that's going to describe a lot more people sort of in the religious world today because they're not, it's not like they're Jews, but they've got that same approach to the idea we know right and wrong, therefore we're going to do it on our own without Jesus. So we'll, we'll expand that a little bit more next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.